Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown Campus, those in our atrium, those watching online and on demand. And to those who are watching online, let me ask you this. I want you to join us in an in-person service in one of our campuses. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia. I can guarantee you that for sure. So glad to have you here. You know, I like to start with something funny. And did you hear about the young man who was a huge football fan and he bought two tickets to the Super Bowl months before the game? He paid $2,000 for these tickets, but he didn't realize that the Super Bowl was being played on his wedding day. Yeah, and so uh, a few days before, he put a post on Facebook and asked if anybody would like to go in his place. He said, if so, show up at First Baptist Church at 3 p.m. Her name is Tiffany. (laughs) Well, once again, we're glad you're here. We're continuing our series called Generational Faith. And I'm sure over the last several months, you've seen these advertisements Uh, on television about people who are studying their family history. Ancestry.com has made millions of dollars by providing that type of service. And you often see those and wonder, you know, what are you really looking for? When you do that ancestry search, are you looking for maybe that that long-lost relative that may be wealthy? Are you looking for maybe that that long-lost cousin? I think so often when we delve into Uh, a study of our history, we're looking to try to find a true identity. We've convinced ourselves that maybe if we study the past, we'll get a picture of our future selves. But here's the truth. That kit that you bought on Black Friday, it's not going to show you the real truth about yourself. But you can discover your true identity by having a relationship with Jesus Christ, by putting your faith in him. The very foundational verse of this series comes from Hebrews chapter 11 and and verse 6 when it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder to those who earnestly seek him. God wants you to put your trust and your faith in him. You are made by God and you are made for God. And until you understand that, you're not going to understand your purpose in life. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and it's interesting that one of the stories, uh, popular stories leading up to tonight's game is the story of 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. You'll hear his story told over and over because in uh, 2022, he was the last person selected in the NFL draft. The last one. As a result of that, the person who is chosen last is given a title called Mr. Irrelevant. And so over the last couple of years, he's had to live with that stigma of having that title placed on him. 
He's able to work through that because of his talent and also because of his faith in Jesus. You see, Purdy is a believer in Jesus Christ. He did a recent interview with Spectrum Sports, and he said, I'm all about living set apart from the world. He said, because my identity is in Jesus. He goes on to say, he said, I am called to do what I do. I am called to witness. I am called to to share the word. I am called to share the spirit of God with other people. Brock Purdy understands his purpose, and in his heart of hearts, he wants to leave a legacy of faith. And that leads us to the big idea for this entire series. Just when you put God first in your life and in your family, you will leave a legacy on earth and one in eternity. When you put God first in your life and in your family, you'll leave a legacy on earth and one in eternity. So in this series, I'm going to focus on three different characters from the Bible. We're going to look at Noah. We did that last week. We're going to look at Abraham, and we're going to look at Moses. Today's message is going to highlight uh, Abraham's story. His story begins about 400 years after the great flood. He was a descendant of Noah. And by the time that Abraham came on the scene, everything had been really back to normal after the great flood. Everything was thriving in every way except spiritually. The people in Abraham's day did not include God in their lives. It was about this time in his life that God spoke to Abram. Now, over the next few minutes, when I use the word Abram or Abraham, I'm talking about the same person. I'll typically use it interchangeably just because of uh, at one point in Abram's life, his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. So just to clarify that. But it was during this time that God spoke to Abram. He was about 75 years old, which was considered in those days midlife. He's married to his wife, Sarah, and they didn't have any children. He was a well-known person, a very influential person. He was a successful businessman. And when we meet him, he was just busy building his business and living his life. At this point, Abram's not looking for God, but God was looking for him. Some of you have come into Stevens Creek Church today, and you're really not looking for God. But do you know, I believe that God has ordered your footsteps here because God has been looking for you. God found Abram, and God said to Abram, said, I've got a plan for your life. I've got a plan for your life and a purpose for your life, and I want to expand your influence. Now, at this moment, Abram's life was dramatically changed. His story is told in really three books of the Bible, in Genesis, in the Old Testament. It is told in the New Testament, in the uh, the book of Romans, and also in the book of Hebrews. And what you'll see as you read that story, the overarching theme is is this, that he is the father of faith, just like George Washington is the the father of uh, the United States of America, Uh, Abraham is considered the father of Israel. He is the father of faith. Here's the big idea um, for that. Faith is facing the future without knowing what's going to happen. Faith is 
facing that future without really knowing what's going to happen. That's what it means to walk in faith, that you step out. You don't know necessarily where you're going, but, but you're trusting that God is going to lead you along the way. Abraham stepped out in faith. And in fact, um, he was a man of faith, but at times in his life, his faith was challenged. And in today's message, you're going to see where Abraham's faith was put to the test in four separate instances, four significant challenges. He faced a major life challenge. He faced, uh, he was given a promise and that promise was long in uh, being fulfilled, took a long time to get fulfilled. He was also faced with a problem that seemed impossible to solve. And then finally, we'll see that he suffered a loss that just didn't make sense to him. And in this message, you're going to see how Abraham navigated these challenges. And with his unwavering faith, he, um, he overcame these adversities in his life. I believe that every one of us can grow in our faith as we embrace four principles from the life of Abraham. Here's the first one. Faith is following God's leading without knowing where. We try to find faith. It's following God's leading without knowing where. In Genesis chapter 12, Abram was faced with a major change in his life. Some of you have been through major changes in your life, and you know exactly what that feels like. We pick up his story, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, I want you to leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God told Abram to pick up all of his belongings, to gather his wife, all of his staff members, and and all of his livestock, and all of his inheritance, and, and pack them up. For God has a new place for him to go to. And he said, I want you to go to this land that I'm going to give you as your inheritance. Now, here's what I know. Several years ago, Patty and I moved my parents to North Augusta when my mom was about Abraham's age. Now, it's a big deal for somebody in their mid-70s to move. I mean, my parents lived in Abbeville for over 50 years, and now they're moving here, and it was a big change. I mean, you got to find new doctors, you got to find new restaurants. I mean, finding a new restaurant is really important at that age. You can, and, and you find your new, you know, new church. And I'm telling you, Stevens Creek is a lot different from Rice Memorial Baptist Church in Greenwood. It's just worlds apart. And so they're all getting used to all of that, trying to figure out what um, that's like. And let me say this, the older you get, the harder it is for you to embrace change. So here, Abram, 75 years old, and God said, I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. But Abram doesn't know where that land is. He doesn't know where he's headed. I can imagine him telling his wife and said, hey, honey, I've got great news. We're going to move. And God promised us he's going to give us a better land, that our future is going to be wonderful, 
that we're going to be blessed in a new way. And I can hear Sarah saying, wow, that sounds great. That's exciting. I can't wait. Where are we going, Abraham? Where are we going? He said, well, I don't know. He didn't tell me that part. Well, what should I wear? I mean, is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? I mean, he said, I don't know. Abraham, are you sure God told you this? Are you sure? I mean, where are we going to get food? Where are we going to sleep at night? Are you sure you heard from the Lord? This seems like a mistake. There will be times in your life that you will be prompted to go to a place that you have never been. And you will start on that journey and it'll be, you'll be filled with anxious thoughts and, and you'll be nervous and you'll be worried. And every little voice in your head will tell you, you better play it safe. This is a big risk. But if it doesn't work out and, and you will be tempted to listen to those negative voices in your mind. And those negative voices are, are causing you to shrink back, causing you to be nervous. I am sure that Abram was nervous. Just because you're nervous to go somewhere does not mean that you're not supposed to go there. Sometimes you can be nervous and you can be walking in faith too. That's part of life. And in those times, sometimes the best thing you can do is take that step and go. Now, this was a major change. Some of you, like I said, you know what that feels like. Like my parents, you never expected to be living here. You never thought that you would be living in this community. You never expected to be starting a new job at your age. You never expected to be divorced. You never expected to be widowed. You never expected to be going through chemo. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And you're faced with this major change in your life. And you just don't know what to do next. It's like your whole world has changed and you don't know what to do. And I would just say this to you. Just take a deep breath and don't think about next month or in three months or next year or worry about five years or ten years. I just want you to focus on today. I just want you to, to do the next right thing. Just look at your life today and do the next right thing. Be sensitive to the promptings of the Lord. Be willing to step out in faith. And I understand it may be a baby step. It may be just a baby step. But just take that baby step. Faith is following God's leading without knowing where. We turn over to the pages of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham... By faith, Abraham, when called to a place, uh, to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, notice this, he obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. He stepped out in faith, even though the path was not certain. He didn't know where he was going, but he trusted that God would open the doors that he was supposed to walk through. And he trusted that God would close the doors that he was going to stay away from. 
Like I said earlier, there are four significant challenges in Abram's life. First of all, he went through this major change, life change. Secondly, he was given a promise that took a long time to fulfill. He was given a promise. He said, I'm going to give, God said, I'm going to give you a land that's going to be for your inheritance. God promised that he would be given this land of Israel. But it was slow in coming. There was a delay in the transfer of ownership. Here's the point. Faith is waiting for God's timing without knowing when. Faith is waiting for God's timing without knowing when. Next verse in Hebrews 11. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign land. He lived in tents. He lived in tents for three generations. That's a long wait. He was unable to to settle down. And the Bible said, this is your own country, but he, it was like he was just passing through. It was like he was a stranger in a foreign land. He lived in a tent. I don't know if you've ever stayed a night in a tent. Now, Patty and I have been married 40 plus years, and I think we've spent one night in a tent. And it was really a tent cabin in Yosemite, and it was in mid-July, and it was cold. It was like 48 degrees, and we shivered. It was the longest night of our lives. And, and, and she said, I want to go to Hampton Inn. <laughs> and so that is our 10 experience. One night. Some of you uh, can make it more than one night. We can't. But can you imagine here, Abram's in this land that's his land has been given to him, but he's living like a stranger. I'm sure he's asking when, Lord. When is this going to change? You gave me this promise. When are you going to fulfill it? Is it time yet, Lord? Is it going to happen? And maybe some of you are faced with this same test. And I call this the when test. When is my life going to get better? When is it going to change? I don't see any change. And I've been praying for this. In fact, I went through 21 days of prayer. And I prayed about it every day, Lord. When, Lord, when are you going to make this better? When are you going to take care of this problem? When are you going to fix this relationship? When are you going to supply the finances I need? When are you going to make me feel better? When are you going to settle my future? Faith is waiting for God's timing without knowing when. Most of us would rather do anything besides wait. But there are times when God will take you off of the road, the path that you're walking on, and he'll say, I want you to wait over here. And you walk in the room, and it's the waiting room. And we, most of us would rather do anything besides wait. Waiting is one of the hardest things that you can do as a Christian it seems like that for every green light, that there, there are five uh, caution lights and a dozen red lights. But this is a test. This is a test. You are going through a test. This is a struggle. And God gives you the strength for you to make it through this struggle. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. He said, they that wait on the Lord... 
shall renew their strength, and they will mount up. They will mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they will walk, and they will not faint. To those of you who are in the waiting room, and you don't know how long you can hold on, I would just say run to the Lord. Run to the Lord today. Just give it all over to him. Abram and Sarah, they were promised this land, but they lived in tents for three generations. But not only that, they were promised an inheritance. They were promised that their family would become a great nation. And how can you be a great nation if your family become a great nation if you do not have any children? They were faced with a problem that seemed impossible to solve. Some of you are faced with problems that you look at and say, this is impossible. There's just no way. They were faced with a problem that seemed impossible to solve. Sarah was barren. She had never had children. Plus, she had gone through the change of life. And in the natural, there was no way that she could have a baby. I mean... Let's face it, God could have done this when they were 30 years old. They could have had a baby when they were 40 years old. In her prime time, but her prime has passed. I think that God purposely waited so that the odds would be against them. God waited until it was impossible. And maybe God has put promises in your heart. And you've been waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Or you've been waiting for that child to get back on his feet. Or you've been waiting for that sickness to go away. You've been waiting to to meet that right person. And you've waited and you've waited. And now you've just thrown up your hands. It's just impossible. Just impossible. Could it be that God is allowing the situations in your life to develop in such a way that the odds are all against you. And there is no way for this to change except God come and touch you. You don't see how it's, changed. it's going to change, but God is testing you during this. This takes us to our third point. It follows in. It said, faith is expecting a miracle without knowing how. Faith is expecting a miracle without knowing how. I know your situation seems impossible. You say, I'm past my prime. The the medical report says it's too late. The financial report says that you can never afford this in a, a million years. And then God breaks into your world and said, I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your peace. I am your victory. God says, I'm not restricted by your age. I'm not restricted by your background. I'm not restricted by your opposition. I'm not restricted by how long it's been. I control the universe. When God speaks, wombs come back to life. 
When God speaks, red seas start to part. When God speaks, the walls of Jericho fall down. When God speaks, uh, blinded eyes are open and deaf ears are unstopped. And sickness has to leave and hope has to be restored. Next verse, by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. This delayed promise was fulfilled. And just as God fulfilled that promise, God's going to be faithful to fulfill your promise. Even though you're, you've been waiting, even though you've been doubting, God is here to fulfill this promise. God is here to help you. God is here. That when that problem seems to be impossible, he's going to bring an answer to it. Here's the last one. That he faced a situation where the loss that he was going through just didn't make sense. So... We're going to talk more about Isaac next week, but just very quick. When Abram was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, she gave birth to a boy and they named him Isaac. The interesting thing about the name Isaac, the name Isaac means laughter. And the reason he was named that is when uh, God spoke to her uh, and Abram told her that she's going to have a, 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 a child and she looked at her body and she said, there's no way. And she laughed out loud. And God said, there's nothing too hard for me to do. And as a result of that, you'll be reminded of this day, and you're to name him uh, Isaac, because Isaac means laughter. And so Isaac became uh, the apple of their eye. They, they put all their, their energies in this child. And they watched him grow up, and he was growing up as a fine young man. Everything was going smooth, but then there was a test that came. God spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to take Isaac up on the mountain and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Here's the point. Faith is trusting God's purpose without knowing why. Faith is trusting God's purpose without knowing why. If you can explain everything in your life, you're not living by faith. There are some things in your life that are just unexplainable. You can't answer and you won't know the answer. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that is very, very hard. God told Abraham to take his son Isaac, the one they had waited for over uh, 20 years to have, the, the son that they had prayed for, the son that they had believed God for, and the son that they're watching grow into a fine young man. And God said, take him up and sacrifice him on the mountain. And he said, this doesn't make sense. You just gave him to me. Why are you taking him away? There will be times when something is lost in your life and it just does not make sense. It feels totally unreasonable and it defies any kind of logic. And in those moments, God is testing you. It's the why test. Why is this happening? 
And I'm telling you, I've lived long enough for this to go through this test over and over. This past Thursday, this past Wednesday, excuse me, this past Wednesday, I did a funeral for a 31-year-old creaker who took his little daughter to Walmart. They went to Walmart. They checked out. He walked through the doors and died instantly. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. I'm doing that funeral, and as I'm doing that funeral, I get a note. It said, we've had another creaker who just retired. Good health, 62 years old, died unexpectedly. I'm getting this while I'm at the funeral home. I'm working with that family. The next day, I pick up my phone and said, another one said, Pastor Marty, it looks like it's cancer. And, and we, we see these and we feel this and it, it goes deep in us. And I cannot do a funeral, especially as I was talking to the 31-year-old's dad. And, I, and I'm reliving because... I've walked that journey before. My mind went back 40 years when I am standing uh, and looking into a casket of my son. And Patty and I are standing there as 24-year-olds trying to figure out why did other people's babies live and ours didn't. I'll never forget. I was thinking about that. You know, we, we, you go uh, through the wake, and then you, uh, we traveled up to bury him. And it was cold. It was December. And I remember sitting under that, fun- that funeral tent just shivering. And at the conclusion of that service, we started singing this chorus, God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Because in our darkest moment, we wanted to remind ourselves that we serve a good God. And we don't understand. We don't understand why that happened. But we trust in the goodness of the Lord. We trust that he's going to take those negative things, those bad things, and he's going to turn them around and he's going to bring something good out of it. There will be times when something is lost in your life and it doesn't make sense. For Abraham to uh, sacrifice Isaac did not make any sense, but he obeyed. He went on a three-day journey up on the mountain. And and you've got to read this story between Abraham and his son Isaac, and you've got to see that what he is doing is is, it's a, um, a symbol of Jesus being sacrificed, his father taking him. They went on a three-day journey into the mountains. Jesus was in the grave three days. Abraham sacrificing his son. God the Father sacrificing his son. You've got to see this. And you see it even closer that when they go make it up to the mountains that that, uh, Abraham is ready to do that. As he is prepared to do that, an angel says, don't do that. God has provided a lamb for you to sacrifice. God provided a lamb. Jesus is that lamb. 
Jesus was sacrificed so that you and I can have life and have it more abundantly. And to those of you that are asking the question why, I don't have an answer to your why question. I don't. And you may not have that answer on this side of heaven. But we come to the place where we trust. And I just want you to come to the place where you trust God, where you don't try to overanalyze it. um, Just trust him. And allow God to speak to you and allow God to give you peace. Jesus is the Lamb of God and he's going to be with you through this deep and dark journey. Well, I know that today is Super Bowl Sunday. It's football Sunday. But you've got to just humor me just a little bit. South Carolina's doing pretty good in basketball, okay? Okay. Okay, he's pretty good in basketball. So, uh, and this is a hard twist, but it's not as hard as you think if you'll listen to me. So, uh, so I'm doing everything I can to watch every game. This is a rare thing, you know, just once in a, uh, a few years uh, that this happens. So yesterday, I know the game comes on at 1 o'clock. Okay, we're out of town, and I know it's 1 o'clock. And I am thinking, okay, I'm not going to pick up my phone. I'm not going to pay attention to the notifications on my watch because, you know, I get notifications about when the scores take place at halftime and all that. And I could feel my watch um, buzzing. And I'm just saying, I'm not going to look at that. And so we made it till three o'clock. And, um, and so the game's over. And so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And we stopped for lunch and it was a late lunch, three o'clock. And, uh, we walked into a restaurant and they went to seat us in the bar. I said, well, I can't handle this temptation of the TVs up there on the wall. And so really, you know, there are TVs everywhere. And she goes to set us right in front of the TVs. I said, man, we can't sit here. We need to go. Uh, and so she was moving us uh, away from the television because I'm thinking I cannot see anything. I look up just for just a second. In just a second, I see South Carolina 75, Vanderbilt 60. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed in that moment. Well, we made it home, and I was determined, I'm going to watch the whole game from beginning to end. So I watched the whole game, but you know what? There are moments right at the end of the first half, Vanderbilt went ahead. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. They went ahead, and they're starting to surge. But at no time during that game did I feel anxious. I was not fearful. I was not worried that we're going to be beaten by an unranked team. Because I knew the final score. I knew the final score. And I knew South Carolina won. There are some of you that you're living in fear. And you're living in worry. And you're living in doubt. And I'm here to tell you. I've read the end of the book. Jesus wins. And because he wins, you and I are victorious in Jesus' name. And we live with so much fear and fret because we think we're going to lose. In Jesus, you are victorious. And if you don't hear anything, I just want you to hear that. 
That though you're going through the test and though you're going through the difficulty, Jesus is here and he is going to see you through and you're going to be the uh, head and not the tail. You're going to be above and not beneath. You're a winner in his name. So we're talking about faith here. And we become victorious when we come to a place where we surrender our lives to Jesus. And Jesus becomes the leader of our life and the Lord of our life. Have you made Jesus the leader of your life? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And there is a lot of excuses you may be having about, oh, I'm just not ready for that, or, or you know, I'm still processing. You know, I want you to push away all the excuses, and I just want you to hear me, that Jesus has created you to be a part of his family, and he wants you to be a part of that family, but really the decision's up to you. He is issuing an invitation, come. Whosoever will, Come. And if you'll take that step of faith and you'll invite Jesus to be the leader of your life, your life will be changed forever. And you will go through tests and difficulties, but you will never go through those seasons alone again. But he will be with you. I want to pray for you. Those in our atrium, those in our South Campus, Grovetown, I want to pray for you today. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation because I realize that there are people here that are in the valley of decision. They're trying to figure out this faith thing. God, let them know that it's already been figured out. That you've already paid the price. That all we have to do is to receive. And so if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Jesus, make me into the kind of person you want me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing across our campuses today, that people are coming to faith. Heads still bowed. How many of you would slip up your hands and say, Marty, I just prayed that prayer with you. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior across this room. Yes. Yes. Amen. Father, I pray not only for those that are making decisions today, but I am praying for those that are struggling in the why. They're struggling with the how question. They're struggling with this thing. I ask God that you'd come and lighten their burden, that you'd lighten their load. I ask God that you'd restore their hope. God, I ask that you'd come and give them peace in the midst of the struggle. So, Lord, today... We receive what you have for us. I want you to pray that out loud. Say, God, I receive. Let's say that again. God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give him praise today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.